What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name, of course, is still Palmadot. Thank you very much for being here. Today, I am really excited about this one. I have Merrick Wazalewski coming back. Merrick, welcome back to the episode, man. How have you been? Thank you, Paul. It's really, really good. It's really good to be back. And um, yeah, we were talking earlier about a few things. So it's, it's really good to see you. And thank you for the invite. I look forward to regrouping with you here. And so for those of you who don't know, uh, Merrick is currently the Vice President of Service Sales for the Americas at Extreme Networks uh, based in Dallas. But Merrick, I want to touch on your LinkedIn headline. I love it. Global Executive Activator Change and Business Acceleration Agent. Yeah. That pops, man. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I think bottom line is this, right? I mean, I think all of us get so quickly attached to titles, but we forget what it is actually ultimately that we end up doing. And for me, the whole leadership thing and, you know, getting yourselves, yourself sort of rooted in what it is that you ultimately do was essential. So I looked back at it and I went like, yeah, in all my career, I've been brought in to fix things. So I figured, well, I'm a I'm a change agent. That's it. I love it. And I appreciate you being here. And for everybody, who, for anybody listening or watching this episode right now, if you haven't checked out uh, Merrick's initial episode uh, with me, I invite you to do so. It's episode 75. Uh, it was recorded back in September of 2020. And uh, just a great story about how Merrick got the current state. And he's back again. Thank and Merrick, you. if you recall, you know, with the foundation of my podcast, it's called Your Intention Matters. And it's really built on, on my foundation that nothing is given to any of us, really, for the most part. It all starts with mindset and intention. And especially for those of us in the world of sales, nothing is really given to any of us there. Everything is earned and fought uh, fought for and so on. And your episode, you know, when we first got together, uh, I thought was extremely compelling. I mean, you talked to us about you know, how you grew up in Poland. And then all of a sudden, one night in the middle of the night, you're just a kid, eight or nine years old, a couple of suitcases, your parents are saying well, you're kind of running for your life, like literally like yeah. running for your life as a refugee on a train over to Austria. And then your story about how you got to the US and, and so on. And it just, it was really, really powerful. And then when we were speaking, we were knee deep in the pandemic. I mean, it's September of 2020. I mean, the world was really going through uh, just really something uniquely unique. And I knew that you were about a year into Mavener at the time, give or take yeah. a year, year and a half or so. And I'd love to have you back on because I know you're not there anymore. And I'm really curious about how life has been since we last got together. You're at extreme now. Uh, how, how has been life? How has life been? I guess I don't, I don't even want to say post pandemic because it's still <laughs> kind of there, but really, you know, how has life been post 2020? Yeah, no, it's, Paul, it's, it's a, and if I haven't said this earlier, you know, I mean, it's a continuous learning curve. And that's the bit that I love the most about it, right? I mean, the, the evolution of one as, a, as an individual, and you're right, nothing is ever given to you. And especially not in sales. Nobody ever wakes up in sales and goes, I'm going to be, I'm going to go, I'm going to go off to college to become a sales guy, right? Nobody ever does that. 
So for me, the, the, the internal drive and the inter- internal push for constant evolution and, for, and constant progress is, is one of the things that, you know, I think has stood me well in my ground and, and ultimately pushed me forward in my, in my career. So, yeah, I'm no longer where I was. Um, I am with, with Extreme Networks. Um, as a matter of fact, this is very fortuitous because as of about four weeks ago, I just took on yet another role, and that is, you know, to head up services for Americas. And that's another exciting, and I call it exciting because it truly is. It's an exciting learning curve to identify where the opportunities lie and where I as an individual can put my unique stamp on it. So, Merrick, the decision to leave Mavener, first off, was it yours? Sounds like it was. Yes. Okay. All right. So was it COVID related at all? Was anything happening in your current state or did Extreme find you? Talk to me about that transition period for you. You know what? I'm I'm going to try to answer your question with with perhaps by stepping back a little bit, and 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 the reason why I say that is that I don't know whether I mentioned the last time that we were on a conversation. Um, one of the unique things that I've identified in my life in terms of career progression and just general progression as a human being was to identify and sort of look up to people that I inspire to like, you know, so having a mentor, having a coach or having somebody that you look up to and go, oh yeah, that resonates well with me. And then then I've kind of built up over my entire career. So when the previous, in the previous episode, when I talked about, you know, coming over to the US, I came over to the US as a result of the fact that I identified a certain individual that became my coach and mentor. And he, knew and understood where my strengths were and and what I could potentially bring as a benefit to the to the company he brought me over um and you know life evolved life he moved on I moved on we stayed in touch I went off to to another company so did he and then he landed up at extreme and he once again was the individual that called me up and say hey We'd love, I'd love for you to come over and and do this all over again. So, you know, yeah, I got the call and extremely fortuitous uh, and and very thankful for that call. But you know what? It it really spans back to, you know, just building up relationships and building up um, the network that ultimately propels and drives your career and your personal life forward. So I hope I've answered that question. Sorry, I tend to rattle on sometimes. No, you answered it perfectly. And what I'm curious about is given the the past relationship and your trust with, with this individual based on, you know, previous uh, interactions and so on, you know, when, when you, when you first took that call, do you remember Merrick, was it an instant, okay, I, I, I'm doing this or was it, okay, tell me more about what's going on there first versus, well, I trust him. So this is going to be a good spot for me. Yeah, there's, there's, it's a, that's a great question, right? And and I think that, for me at least, it was, I've noticed that my behavior and my reaction to these kind of questions and opportunities has also changed as I got older and maybe got wiser. Um, you know, previously, I would have jumped into an opportunity at first and worried about it later. But obviously, as I got older and I got wise, I'm going to say wiser, but as a little bit more experienced, perhaps, 
I've realized that, you know, I've started to sort of calm the, not the enthusiasm, because I am a generally over uh, over enthusiastic uh, person, but to step back, take a breath, and then ask the relevant questions, like, what does this mean? Where is this going? What are the overall requirements? How is the company going to support me? And what is my objective in this particular role? But at the same time, a big component of the decision-making process was the trust factor behind this individual that, you know, I've built up a relationship with over the last decade, at least. Interesting. You know, you know, America, I'm curious about something. So, you know, I've been in sales now, call it 20 years or so. Yeah. And, and I've been a, a sales representative. I've been a product specialist. I've been a sales manager. Uh, I, I've been a sales trainer uh, for a long time as well, but I've never been um, a VP of sales. I've never been an EVP and SVP. I've never run like a global division of an organization. And what I'm curious about is the process of you um, putting in your resignation. Like, like I've resigned as a salesperson and, but I have my territory and I, I have my responsibilities. And it's like, in my time when I've done that, it's always been met with, what can we do to keep you to stay and so on? But it's it's just been me in my own five zip codes type of thing versus sure. running the entire you know company or the entire division. And so that process for you to step away, what is that like? Um, it's daunting. <laughs> Because it's personal, and yeah. uh, the, if you remove the title out of the equation, right? The because the title is just exactly what it is; it's just the title. But the 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 reason why it becomes personal is because over the period that you have been at a particular organization, you have built a personal trust and a relationship with your colleagues and with your peers and based on the trust you have a mutual understanding of you know things you can and cannot do and 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 it just evolves you cannot you know people so often say well leave your home leave your work at home i don't subscribe to that policy because it does it, it doesn't exist right you you can one just generally overspills onto the other so when you decide to make that decision as as i did you do effectively go through all of that emotion internally like how am i letting them down how am i letting the organization down um you know is this the right thing for me and at the same time you've got you know the, the sort of the, the little devil and the angel sitting on both of your shoulders saying well you know how am i promoting my family how am i promoting myself am i doing this for the right reason and somewhere in the middle and it's a different process i think that this process i think in the in the steps you go through are different for individuals they they're not all the same yeah but at the end of the day there is there is i think there's there is a relief or at least there was when you get out ahead of the announcement and you step back and the response is positive. When that happens, you know you've done the right thing. And over the years, not just at that moment, but you know, you've done what you had to 
and the people and the and the relationships that you built are genuine. And and I think that's the difference. You know, America, is there a sense of or or almost a, a, um, an obligation or a feeling of uh, I need to do this? Uh, is there a requirement um, on your part to give more time uh, versus the standard two weeks notice? I mean, do you feel compelled to give them two months until they find somebody or is it just pretty much once you've made your decision, here's my notice and then make the note, make the announcement and away you go? Yeah, I think once again, Paul, there, there are the, there, there are two elements of it. There's the contractual obligation, which is black and white. You know, you're going to give two two weeks notice, but then there's the other obligation, and the obligation is like if you are truly doing this for the right reason, and you've been anticipating the fact that you're going to be doing this, you as a leader would have made and taken the right precautions and steps to ensure that there is a, a transition period, that B, you've got somebody else coming in to ultimately fill in your shoes to support the organization. Um, yeah, have I heard of resignations where people just drop the hand grenade and walk away and go, that's it, I'm done? Yes, I have. But once again, you know, it, it depends on the type of person you are. So yeah, uh, th there's a little bit of both. And and I'm not I know I'm not being direct, but you know that's at least the way that I see it. Is it's a mutual agreement and a mutual mutual conversation, and a, and a decision that's made with the organization and yourself in terms of how this is going to happen. When you first you know took the call from Extreme uh, to when you actually made the decision to 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 take the job and then hand your resignation in. Uh, how much of a spreadsheeting experience was this for you? Was it a pretty fast process or was it drawn out before you finally made the decision? No, and I think this is what I'm saying, right? Initially, if I, when I was younger, it would have been a spur of the moment decision is that I'm just going to go and figure it out. But as as you step up the ranks and as you've got a bigger responsibility and you know, you're looking at internally within your family and your personal life and then externally uh, within your within your career and the company that you're working for, there, there is, it's it's a more of a drawn out and more of a calculated approach rather than just diving straight in and going, yeah, I'm done, done and it's signed, off I go, right? So it's, there, there is a difference. There is a difference for sure. Uh, interesting. You know, Merrick, I remember uh, from our last episode, uh, I think you'd said that you worked at, I think it was Mitel. Uh, do I have that right? It was Mitel, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you said you were there for, if I remember correctly, Many years, eight, nine, ten years. ten years or so, ten years. Okay, so ten years is is a long stretch uh, within one organization. And there are some people that I know that are are watching this episode right now. They can't even fathom the idea of staying with an organization for more than eighteen months. It just seems to be this this yeah. trend today where people will jump ship after a year and a half, two years. And so for you to stay 10 years, I'm assuming yeah. if I don't remember this, of course, but I'm assuming that you had multiple roles within those 10 I years, did. of course. Right. And, and so that tells me that you're a pretty committed guy. You're a pretty loyal guy and, and that you, you do very well in certain roles that, that gets you, you know, prompted for the next role and so on. And so the idea of leaving Mavener, as an example, after a couple of years or so, did that factor into you know, how that might appear uh, on the outside? Well, he spent 10 years at one company, 
now he's he's leaving after two. He's going here. Does that that, that factor into how your brand might appear if somebody's just looking at your LinkedIn profile without knowing the backdrop of well, he he knew this person. That's his mentor. He, th- th- this was not an overnight decision. And so, yeah. but on the surface, it could look like he he leaves every couple of years now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a wonderful question and and a, and a fair observation. Um. Prior to actually leaving Mitel, I, I had multiple conversations um, with a bunch of recruiters globally, both in the, you know, in the UK, um, as well as the US. And, and I wanted to get a different perspective in terms of, you know, am I doing the right thing? And I can't, it, the conclusion was, was fascinating, or at least I thought it was. Depending on the type of a recruiter that you that I had a conversation with, in other words, somebody that was genuinely interested in you as an individual versus sliding you into a role for their financial benefit, the conversation evolved in, in different ways. The first one was like, look, you've been with a, you've been with a company for 10 years. There's a plus and a minus to this. The plus is you've shown uh, loyalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, based on the fact that you've been in this company for 10 years, I can see that you've had a, a great career evolution. You've grown from here to here and you've moved. You've done different roles. Um, one of my other mentors, by the way, he's, and he was at Mitel. Um, you know, he he always turned around and said to me, make sure that after two years, there's something new for you. So for him, when I had a conversation with him, it was two years. Every two years, you've got to jump at just something. Like, but coming back to the conversation with the recruiters, so it was like, that's that's the positive aspect. The negative aspect that companies are going to look at is you've been at this company for 10 years. You have been institutionalized. You will You will struggle to adapt to change and to adapt to a new way of working. On the other side, um, if you speak to a different type of a recruiter, the the feedback is there is no concern around any of this. It's like, can you do the role? They want you. How much much is this going to mean for me as an individual? Whether it's a right fit or not, whether you are there for six to eight months is irrelevant, providing that I get my commission, Uh let's go, right? So I think there's there's two things that that occur there. As far as career progression is concerned, one of the things that I've realized, and maybe that this is just purely because of the fact that I've gone through so much change in my life, and because I do honestly believe in um, diversity and the benefit that diversity brings into any of the organization, having worked into and lived in so many different countries, the thing that I think that occurs is providing you make the change for the right reason. Like I made the change for two, two reasons. And I knew this was a premeditated decision. A, I left Mitel after 10 years and I joined Symantec. I joined Symantec. Yes, the opportunity came along, but at the same time, I consciously was aware of the fact that security is becoming a prime and I needed to find out a bit more about it. So once again, I was lucky that those two came up. 
The second one was um, I got a call from Mavenier, and with Mavenier, it was all about I've worked with service providers my entire life. Here was an opportunity to work with a venture capitalist organization and almost more like a startup. So it gave me more of a hands-on approach to develop other skills that I might have. So, you know, providing I think that you're doing the, this and you're making the decisions for the, for the sake of making the right decisions, whether you're there 18 months or two years or 10 years, I, I, mm. I kind of think it's irrelevant. You know, I think what you just said um, is, is so true and so well said uh, in terms of that thought process. Because again, on the surface, somebody who wouldn't speak to you would have no idea what kind of goes into, into your brain as you're thinking about that. And so, you know, Merrick, in your role, you've, you've been in a sales leadership role now for many years. And, <laughs> and, and, and with that comes uh, a requirement to hire uh, comes a requirement to uh, fire people on occasion. Sure. Uh, there's there's promotion opportunities, and there's also an opportunity for you, you know, for you to build, you know, people that are on your team. And uh, you know, we haven't talked about this. I'm just going to ask you just over because we're not scripted here at all. But I'm just curious about: Are there any one or two traits that you really look for uh, in a person when it comes to, uh, hiring somebody or promoting somebody within, in addition to like, like their laundry list of, of experiences, but is there any one or two traits that you kind of try to pull out to say, yeah, this person is, I, I can see something there in addition to six years here, three years here, four years there. And so any one or two traits that, that are kind of your go-to. Um, Paul, you know, the interesting thing is the, the the three years here or six years or whatever, for me, are almost less relevant. And, and the reason why I say that is, as I said, is I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the largest or, or with some of the largest telcos and carriers in the world. And when you've got an organization that employs 90, 150,000 people, right? Yeah. You do end up seeing individuals doing the same role for five, six, ten years, N not necessarily doing the role effectively, just getting lost in the numbers. So over the, you know, as as I've sort of moved through my career and I've, I've observed this, that part of the equation became less relevant to me. What I what is more relevant is the 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 mentality towards um, everyday life to uh, development coaching. You know, I talk about the, the you might recall I talked about team during the, the last podcast, which I still evangelize on a daily basis. T talk. If somebody's got the right ability and, and, and understands the, the absolute and essential need for communication, the T, and they, they can effectively communicate and over-communicate, that's important. Somebody that um, evaluates their current performance and their surroundings, so that's the E, the evaluation. The A, the assessments. The assessment of the inspect, you, you inspect uh, you know, you've got to inspect what you expect, right? So being data-driven, 
rather than just waffling on about, oh, how are we doing? Are we doing great? Yeah. And and uh, when is this deal coming in? Oh, it's coming in soon. You know, like just <laughs> generalizing. So being data-driven in today's day and age, and I'm not talking about paralysis by analysis. Mm. I'm talking about just understanding your business. In other words, the inspection of, okay, so what does good look like here? And you know, where am I heading and what is my business like? And utilizing the tools that are given to you, whether it is, you know, sales assessment, whether it's deal, whether it's Bant or Champ or Medic, or, but just using those tools, that's important. So that's the, that's the A. And the last one is mentorship. The, the ability to either be mentored or to mentor somebody, right? So those are most probably the four components that for me drive the evolution to a to a hyper team or high performance sales team. The other thing that I do is I look at my individual reports and in order for me to understand um, them, I will ask them to do an evaluation like a strength-based leadership um, analysis. So I know what they natural given talents are, right? Mm. And then focusing on that because those are the natural talents and strengths that they, you know, causes them to evaluate, uh, to accelerate. Um, that's important. And something, I read something the other day, and, and this is extremely relevant, Paul, I think in terms of what's going on today. I'm sure you... You've seen it, and I'm sure your audience have seen the the, the new show by Michael J. Fox called Still. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought out this, this quote that just makes me crumble, and that is, gratitude makes optimism sustainable. And I love that. And the reason why I love that is that gratitude Gratitude for where you are today and who is contributing towards your life is so vitally important. And I think so often people believe that as you're moving up the ranks, you've got to become less human. You've got to be more dictatorial. You've got to be more aggressive and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, Merrick, it was was so great meeting you almost three years ago now. And I'm so appreciative of you coming back on the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, everybody, let's wrap up this episode right now. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here. We'll do it again next week. And uh, thanks for joining this episode.